Are you ready to dive into the world of energy and innovation? Then look no further. SPE's annual Technical Conference and Exhibition, or ATCE, is just around the corner. Get ready for an experience that will fuel your curiosity and ignite your passion for the energy industry. Don't miss out on this incredible event. So mark your calendars for October 16th through the 18th and join us in San Antonio, Texas to explore the evolving energy landscape with the industry's leading innovators. Visit ATCE.org to learn more. Welcome to the SPE Podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to SPE Live, geothermal vision for the oil and gas industry and why it is critical. The audio from this episode was previously recorded on August 28, 2023. And now your moderator, Camilo Mejia. Welcome everybody to another SPE Live, geothermal vision for the oil and gas industry and why it is critical. My name is Camilo Mejia, Geothermal SPE Technical Section. Uh, I'm really excited today. We are going to talk for 30 minutes about geothermal in the oil and gas industry. We encourage everybody to post the questions. And I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Dr. Brian Jones is the Executive Director of Geothermal Pricing, a nonprofit educational association and research organization. Dr. Jones has 20 years of experience working on public policy at the federal, state, federal, state, and local levels. His career went all the way to Capitol Hill, the White House, the U.S. Department of State. His academic research explores social policy organizational structure and the collective action reasons to enable technology adoption and how we can reduce the barriers or eliminate the barriers for technologies to flourish. Dr. Brian Jones, welcome to the SPA Live today. How are you? Hey, Camilo. It's great to be with you. Really good. Thank you for joining the SPA Live today. Brian, let's talk about geothermal rising. What is geothermal rising? What is important? What is the kind of takeaway for the audience today? Yeah, well, it's great to be here, first of all, um, with with you, Camillo, and the, the Society of Petroleum Engineers. Um, so geothermal rising, we have a mission to build and empower the geothermal community. Um, part of our role is to support and also and facilitate academic and industry research as it relates to geothermal energy. And we also promote geothermal technologies and applications to the public, to policymakers, investors, educators, the media, and other external audiences. So that's uh, that's the main, those are the three major focus items and focus topics for geothermal rising. Thank you, Brian. We encourage everybody to post questions in the chat. Geothermal is hot. There is a lot of things going on in the geothermal space. I'm sure everybody has a lot of questions. Brian, what are kind of the vision for the oil and gas industry? What are kind of the critical projects that will enable geothermal to the next phase, which is, I guess, what everybody is really pushing forward? How we achieve geothermal scale? What is geothermal rising doing? Yeah, well, right now, uh, the oil and gas industry plays in a, a critical role in promoting and advancing the, ge the geothermal industry. There are a lot of technologies. There's an existing skill set and workforce from the oil and gas industry that is using technologies that we want to need, we want and need to transfer into the geothermal industry right now. Um, and so we, Geothermal Rising is working with the Society of Petroleum Engineers, with Project Interspace, with uh, other organizations to help facilitate that transfer, both of technology, but also of, of skills, knowledge, workforce um, to help promote and advance geothermal. 
Thank you, Brian. We see a lot of uh, activities in the geothermal, especially in the US lately with significant advancements when it comes down to really new ways to develop geothermal resources at scale. And I guess the question, Brian, is why geothermal is critical? What's kind of the messaging for everybody listening today, and especially the oil and gas industry? Why do you think geothermal is critical? Yeah, well, first of all, geothermal is a it's a renewable clean energy technology. Uh, we need more of it. Uh, we need more. We need to help uh, address the cli climate change. We need to help um, uh, address the 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 changes that we need in our energy economy and our energy systems. Uh, geothermal is a major player and a major part of of that conversation, and we haven't had enough of it in the past. Uh, geothermal hasn't been a part of the conversation in the past. Um, so, and geothermal has a long history. It's a long. There's a long culture of, of the geothermal industry. It dates back all the way to 1892 in Boise, Idaho, where the first direct use geothermal system was was created. And we've been producing electricity since the 1910s in Italy and the 1960s. Uh, in California, uh, electricity from geothermal resources, that is. Um, so there's there's a long history of geothermal in the United States, and we need to uh, leverage the, the knowledge and the skill set of the oil and gas industry, which has been able to really expand the ability to drill, the ability to understand the subsurface. Um, and that knowledge is is one thing that Geothermal Rising, along with a lot of our partners, are trying to transfer into the, the geothermal industry right now. Thank you, Brian. You mentioned something really interesting, which is about really pushing geothermal in the agenda for many things to happen. And Geothermal Rising went to a Capitol Hill, I believe, a few weeks ago. Any takeaways from that meeting? Any kind of insights for the audience today, Brian? Yeah, well, one thing is, one of the fascinating things about geothermal is, is that it is able to, uh, once people learn about it, they become obsessed with it. Uh, and we just need more people to know that geothermal is a, is a, solution that's mature that's proven it's a it's a now technology it's ready to be deployed um not just in the areas where we traditionally think about it out in the western united states or in in more uh, active volcanic areas like iceland and um and indonesia but there are a lot of but because of advancements in with with companies in the geothermal space companies like fervo energy uh ever technologies um there they are there is a huge push to bring geothermal everywhere it is an everywhere technology and these new tech these new companies these they're not new but these innovative companies are are really breaking the boundaries that we've traditionally thought of that have held geothermal back and so we've Fervo Energy recently announced uh, major uh, accomplishments, major achievements for some of their drilling technologies. Um, uh, Ever Technologies last week uh, was in Germany launching one of their closed loop geothermal system, uh, which will bring electricity onto the grid in Germany next year. Uh, we have other companies like GA Drilling and Quazed uh, Energy, which are really pushing the boundaries and creating, bringing in new technologies for the drilling side of geothermal. And we are, and there's a lot of investment pouring into these companies from the oil and gas industry, from environmental NGOs, climate NGOs, uh, and, and um, philanthropic organizations that are really interested in how we're going to genuinely draw down the climate crisis. And geothermal needs to be part of that, that equation, part of that. So uh, we, it is a solution if we're going to 
be if we're going to take climate change seriously. Ryan, I think that's a really kind of critical messaging, and that's something we do at the SP as well, trying to demonstrate that geothermal is not really a kind of a dream. It's actually a reality today with very competitive costs. And I think that's something uh, we share with geothermal pricing at the SPE as well. So maybe uh, the question is, how do you see the collaboration with SPE? What do you think is critical that we work together? And what's that kind of outlook for the industry in general? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe some of your viewers might be aware that the that Geothermal Rising partnered with with the Society of Petroleum Engineers with Project Interspace, and we all applied uh, as a consortium to for a, a large Department of Energy grant. Uh, it's called Geode, um, and that grant, the Geothermal Energy from Oil and Gas Demonstration Engineering, is the what Geode stands for. That grant is going to help transfer and help facilitate the transfer of knowledge of, of workforce of technology from oil and gas into geothermal so we geothermal rising is just this is just the beginning of of a, a deeper relationship with spe um, and one that we're really excited about we also have um, more events that we're going to be planning uh one-on-one -on -one. Um, we have a, a a symposium later this year in colorado that geothermal rising and spe are putting on mutually together and i We'll have more of those in the coming years as we as as we continue to deepen this relationship. Thank you, Brian. Since you mentioned obviously the big collaboration with Project Interspace, Geothermal Rising SP, any insights from that particular project that we can share with the audience? What's kind of the major highlight? Major highlights are that by the end, by within 12 months, once we're still in negotiations with DOE, but 12 months after those negotiations conclude, we will have a uh, solicitations, competitive solicitations that we will release as a consortium uh, for oil and gas companies, for geothermal companies to apply for and, and to try to identify those proven, ready to go technologies that the oil and gas industry is already using on a daily basis, but we're, we're not yet using in the geothermal industry. And so we need to, well, the, the purpose of that grant is to help bring those, te those technologies, those now technologies into the geothermal space. So th there'll be some grand opportunities coming down the road, um, about $155 million in total um, that, uh, that people can be on the lookout for. Thank you, Brian. And I think, you know, to start thinking about people, the skills, the knowledge transfer, which is obviously one of the major synergies between the oil and gas industry and geothermal. What is that messaging for young professionals, uh, Dr. Jones, that if you have the opportunity to tell people in oil and gas geothermal about the future of geothermal, what will you tell them? Well, I would tell them geothermal, it's a it's a now technology. Um, the, the people in the geothermal industry realize that and they, they know that that they are they offer a tremendous, important, critical solution for drawing down the climate crisis. Um, but one of the challenges for the geothermal industry is that the policy has just not caught up yet. Policymakers need to consider the unique characteristics of geothermal when they're drafting legislation. And that is just beginning to change. We're starting to see momentum at states, at the federal level. Um, and, and that's exciting. And, and that, that, that's, that, that energy is picking up. Um, 
we also need to realize that geothermal is a solution to other technologies that have recently received a lot of funding. Direct air capture, hydrogen, uh, those two industries will not be successful without geothermal. They need geothermal electricity to uh, to for the, the power needs that those technologies require. And uh, geothermal is is provides than the, all of what those uh, technologies need to, in order to scale. And I think that's a, that's a great comment, uh, Brian, because most of the time we relate geothermal with power generation, but there is direct heat applications. There is a lot of things with minerals production. There is even hydrogen uh, opportunities that goes directly into geothermal. But let's talk about direct heat for a minute, because that's a really big, big space within the geothermal. Any insights uh, from geothermal rising around the direct heat application, smart cities, that would be appreciated. Yeah, it's actually the area that is probably just starting to get talked about right now. It's been underappreciated for so for so long, but it's that what we call direct use applications of of geothermal technologies. Um, that there's thermal energy networks where we can connect municipalities to geothermal resources that provide heating but not not just heating but cooling as well and and that's critical unfortunately geothermal is inaptly named but it also provides critical cooling benefits uh, to communities you can air condition your house with a geothermal ground source heat pump uh, you can also heat your house and th those heat pumps are 40% more efficient than air source heat pumps, 70% more efficient than your traditional furnace, which helps when we're talking about electrifying uh, so much of what we use from stoves to air conditioners. Um, that's going to put an incredible strain on the existing grid. Uh, we're already having a lot of challenges building more transmission lines. Well, geothermal offers that solution to bring to bring heating and cooling so that we can, we can decarbonize the built environment um, and not have the need for additional transmission line or as much need for for all this additional transmissions tr transmission lines that we need you can also bring geothermal closer to load centers uh and, and that also helps reduce that uh that that transmission need um but heat pumps direct use uh industrial applications um there's the, from chemical manufacturing to to heavy industrial manufacturing, geothermal offers uh, a solution for to remove an entire op operating bud line uh, line item from the budget because you don't need the constant source of fuel um, with a geothermal resource. And so there's a lot of companies, especially in Texas and Louisiana, ke chemical companies that are looking at geothermal assets and geothermal resources uh, for their for future uh, uh, heat needs. Thank you, Brian. I think that's a really good question. So in terms of economics, how do you see the progress for both power generation, direct heat, the evolution of the levelized cover of energy and the power generation, the cost of heat? How do you expect or what's your projection over time for the next five, 10 years in order to increase adoption? And how is that optimization? Yeah. Well, one thing, when it comes to LCOE, we really need public utilities to start thinking about the value of an electron. Geothermal offers a very high value uh, source of power, and, th and that value is not yet fully appreciated by our in our levelized cost of electricity calculations. And, and a good example of that is that um, is is a, a nine megawatt geothermal power plant uh, 
on average can generate electricity for about 5,500 homes, whereas that same, the same nine megawatt solar power plant can only generate electricity for 1,800 homes. So you're going to need three times as much solar to provide the same amount of, of uh, power that you would from a geothermal power plant. So that's a lot more of an, that's a, that translates into a lower impact on the environment, less mining for critical minerals. Also, one thing we haven't really touched on, but a reduced risk of geopolitical conflict. Uh, a lot of our critical minerals come from countries where, that are, are, are have, are, or have some recent conflict with with the, the West, and so geothermal offers a a domestic source of of resource a domestic resource that is really critical for uh, geopolitical stability. Thank you, Brian. I think let me just ask the audience to keep posting questions. I think we are getting to the end. We don't want to let Brian go without a pretty good set of questions. So, Brian, the last questions to start kind of looking into the. Uh, questions from the audience. Uh, what is that uh, really relevant today uh, from geothermal? If you can just put that in one sentence, what would you say the relevance of geothermal is for the industry? For the oil and gas industry or for? In general. In general, the relevance of geothermal is that if we are genuinely going to draw down the climate crisis, geothermal needs to be a bigger part of the energy uh, equation in the in the United States and in frankly in all countries around the globe, geothermal is an everywhere technology. Um, you you do not need to be near uh, volcanic activity to access the benefits of geothermal. Uh, we can decarbonize the built environment through geothermal technologies, industrial heating, the power sector, uh, and we just need to be geothermal needs to be more part of the conversation more often, more frequently, and that is something that geothermal rising is striving to do along with many of our other partners um and we're we're seeing those that change i mean the uh, new york times came out with an article today uh about what the the great work that fervo energy is doing um and forge the forge project in utah and is and the innovative the innovations coming out of the geothermal space sage geosystems looking into storage capabilities of geothermal uh for as another example there's so much innovation coming out of of the geothermal space right now and it is really exciting to see it and we're starting to see private investment the governments take more notice but we it's not enough yet we still don't have uh, enough policy support uh, enough private investment coming into the industry and so i that's what i hope we'll see is uh, is continued growth in in investments into the geothermal uh, industry Thank you, Brian. Let's just look at some questions from the audience today. I think uh, I'm going to pick the first one. Any comments from your side or from geothermal pricing in general about the combination between low temp power generation and combinations with that kit? How is that integration in that particular niche market for you guys? Yeah, it's one thing that's really bringing the entire geothermal industry together and to be one family. There has been a traditional, historically, there's been this sort of uh, some division between different types of technologies of geothermal over the past. That's ending. And we're seeing a, a coalescing and of the geothermal industry coming together, realizing that it's all one family to the external to the external audiences. They see us as one technology, which we are. And we're seeing that more and more where where power companies like Ever or Baseload Capital, uh, Baseload Power, uh, these companies uh, are 
realizing that they can produce power and also send the direct use geothermal, the heating applications to a nearby chemical manufacturing plant, for example, or to a nearby school or a hospital so that they can use the heating and cooling benefits of geothermal uh, to, to uh, um, for the for that facility, whether it's a school or a hospital, and then they can also be producing geothermal. So there, that that co-location or that co-use of the same geothermal resource is going to only grow, and that that's really exciting. Thermal energy networks is another really hot topic right now, especially in the northeastern part of the United States, where there are some moratoriums on on natural gas uh, in places like Massachusetts and New York. Uh, you have that existing natural gas infrastructure. Thermal energy networks offer a solution for those those natural gas utilities to transition to geo, to become a geothermal utility utilizing some of that same existing infrastructure um, some of it would have to be replaced but some of it can be can also be used with it through a geothermal system through a thermal energy network so waste recovery heat is another one you see this in big cities um, where a lot all that steam that's coming off of buildings that is wasted heat you can capture that heat and you can you can, from maybe a post office, for example, that is producing a lot of heat, and you can move that over to an apartment building, and and the apartment building can then use that heat in the winter. So that's an, another use of of uh, it's not technically geothermal, but it's still thermal, in, and uh, it's still part of the geothermal family. Thank you, Brian. The next question is something that I believe there is a lot of potential, and uh, what's what's kind of the take on asset repurposing, converting late stage oil and gas assets into geothermal producers. That's probably uh, one of the interesting areas in the today's kind of landscape. So what's your take on that one? Right. Yeah, it's really it is fascinating. And there are companies like Transitional Energy out of Colorado that is looking at repurposing uh, oil and gas wells. Uh, there's a there's a lot of potential. We know the, there's a lot of data in those oil and gas wells as to what the, the bottom hole temperatures are um, and companies can repurpose for both direct use or and or for power. Uh, either gas oil and gas wells that are no longer producing or that are producing but can still but are producing enough heat that they can uh, bring that heat to a nearby municipality a school a hospital as i mentioned earlier or even produce electricity for a local town nearby um and so that repurposing oil and gas wells is a is a is a big opportunity, a gigantic opportunity for the geothermal industry. Uh, there are millions of oil and gas wells, and many of which are, uh, not many, but some of which are abandoned and, and orphaned. Those ones in particular, which are now a liability for, for governments, uh, could be repurposed into oil, uh, into a geothermal producing well, uh, which, would, which would help uh, alleviate the, the, the liability issue around them. Uh, coal is another one, like uh, coal power plants that are being uh, going offline in places like Page, Arizona, or Valmy, Nevada, Coal Strip, Montana. Those are creating challenges for those local communities. Well, geothermal offers a solution. You have the surface infrastructure there, the connection to the grid, the turbine, uh, the ORC turbines or, or other turbine equipment. And you uh, bringing geothermal to those facilities could help those communities uh, weather the transition into the clean energy economy. Thank you, Brian. Another question is related with, you know, the long term view between oil and gas geothermal. We know that oil and gas is going to last for many more years. There is a significant kind of need of reliance or reliability. 
from fossil fuels, which is obviously what we have been doing over the past, I don't know, the entire history of humanity or modern humanity. So the question is how we balance sustainability for geothermal and oil and gas in the long term. Yeah, well, we will always need oil and gas. It's, there's, it's just we need medical device equipment. We need plastics. Um, there's, there's always going to be a need for, for, for those, for that, uh, for oil and gas. Um, and what we can do, what geothermal offers, is, is an ability to um, uh, offset some of the. Uh, some of that need, some of that demand um, with with a renewable, clean, baseload, stable energy source. Um, and the 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 workforce and the skills and the, the technologies like drilling technologies, subsurface characterization management and, and uh, those are the same between the two industries. They that can be utilized both by the geothermal industry and by the oil and gas industry. So the synergies between the two um, are really deep and will continue for uh, indefinitely because they're they are both subsurface technologies. Um, so there's just I, that's one thing that's really exciting about geothermal is, is that it uses so much of the existing uh skills and knowledge of the oil and gas industry thank you brian i think that's right that's the right messaging it's not one or another it's actually both going forward uh, uh follow-up questions is around obviously the cost effectiveness of geothermal energy today will you will you say that geothermal is cost effective today brian uh, there, it is up, the upfront capital cost for geothermal is more expensive than other technologies right now. That is because we don't have the right policies in place. We don't have an industry agnostic uh, energy policy in the United States yet. That uh, is something we need to try to address. Um, we there risk mitigation programs, cost sharing programs for helping to do for for drilling exploratory wells uh, or or monitoring wells for geothermal. Those types of programs have existed in the past. Uh, we need to either bring that you know turn them back on or create uh, new programs that can help reduce the, that upfront cost. Um, that's the major hurdle for geothermal. What's holding geothermal back is not engineering or subsurface, a misunderstanding of the subsurface. Um, it's not a technology challenge. It's a policy challenge. It's a social challenge. We need to change some policies, uh, create some new policies that will help empower and, and embolden the geothermal industry. Um, and then we and then we can utilize that existing as I mentioned, the existing techno uh, technology and workforce of the oil and gas industry to really scale and commercialize uh, so many different types of geothermal technologies from closed loop to EGS to traditional lithium uh, recovery, traditional and conventional geothermal and, and more. Perfect. There's actually a follow-up question on policies, which is obviously for you, Brian, uh, you really manage very well. So the question is, what is the main state policy that is really needed in order to increase geothermal adoption or geothermal developments? I would say that the main one is reducing that upfront capital cost through those risk mitigation mitigation programs or cost sharing programs. That's the, that's one of the main ones. Of course, a, a categorical exclusion for, for uh, permitting on federal lands would be helpful. Um, 
uh, more deployment dollars so that we can we can help municipalities transition from from a, a natural gas network to a thermal energy network that would be helpful so that that those deployment dollars uh companies are uh, uh, engineered geothermal system companies egs companies and closed loop companies are going to need uh, more dollars for demonstrating their technologies but also deploying those technologies because many of them are now proven as and and the the research is there both not just in the lab but also in the field and so there, there's going to be a we need more deployment dollars as well uh, so we need the department of energy when they're when and then congress and the state and state legislators uh to be thinking about geothermal and the unique characteristics Characteristics of geothermal when they're when they're uh, debating and discussing energy policy. Thank you, Brian. Now, if we look at the international landscape, we go out of the U.S. We look at significant regions like Europe, Asia. Do you think the oil and gas infrastructure will be instrumental to transitioning to more base load, low carbon energy? Do you think international markets will actually follow? the kind of trend, innovation trends that is taking place in the U.S.? Uh, I think they will. Yeah, um, we're starting. I mean, Europe, geothermal is is take is becoming it's a exciting topic in Europe right now. Uh, countries like Kenya and Turkey are are leading in the geothermal space right now. Um, so there's and the assets of the oil and gas industry are a critical part of the success of the geothermal industry globally and we there's that is uh, it's just a, a technological reality um for that these two industries work together um in order to to uh address the climate crisis um and also appreciate and uh the uh, the existing skill sets of of a, of a well-educated workforce that the geothermal industry needs to tap into to to scale and commercialize. Brian, we are running out of time, so I would like to say thank you so much for your time today, for the insights. I hope the audience is taking uh, notes about what is happening in geothermal, which is really good. Geothermal is hot, so we welcome all the questions on social media. Thank you so much, Brian, and thank you, SP. Thank you, everybody, for joining today. Thanks, SPE. Good to see you, Camila. Thanks for listening to the SPE podcast. For more content, visit the SPE Energy Stream, the industry's digital pulse at streaming.spe.org. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and review. Join us next time on the SPE podcast.